welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. All right, so uh, in this series, um, we're looking at, you know, what's God called us to do as a local church? Because each local church within a community, like there's the overall big church, universal church, right? Uh, But then you have each church and God starts each church because he wants a unique, different expression of Jesus in a local community. And so with this church, uh, typically we do this like first of the year, but we're doing it now because there's just been so much COVID and all kinds of stuff going on. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to, uh, or a Bible app, you can turn to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. That's where we're going to start. We'll jump around from there. Um, but as we look at uh, our focus as a church, we start with this, uh, which is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, then Jesus, uh, it says, uh, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what this means is that um, from the first disciples all the way down to the church now, that we are to reach people with the love of Jesus, and, and then what we're supposed to do is then we lead them in a growing relationship with Jesus. It's, it's actually very simple. Like we, we narrow it down to love God, love people. But, but we need to get more specific with how we do that. Um, so th- as people are led in a growing relationship with Jesus, and you've, many of you have experienced this, is that, is that you're transformed. You become more the person that you were created to be. Because when God made you, he actually made you to be somebody that was unique, unlike anybody else. And you find that as you're in relationship with him. And so um, the way that we accomplish this and and walking this out in our church is through three things. It's a continuous process. This has to do with evangelism. It has to do with discipleship. And it's not this linear thing that like, okay, you enter in at this point and then you're done here. But it's a cyclical thing. It's just a continuous process that we all take part in. The first thing is encountering God. We looked at that last week. So encountering is all about face to face right? Like we just wholly believe that everybody can come face to face with God and have this encounter with God. And that that's where everything changes. We we truly believe that our best strategic efforts, our best, um, you know, planning and all those things uh, do that so we can set things up. But ultimately somebody has to be encountered by God, right? And that's, you know, many of you have had that where you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's God, And everything's different. Everything's different in life. And so um, we help people do that. And then we long for that. Like when we come together like this, we want to encounter God. The next thing is enriching community. So that's what we're looking at today. And and then the next thing we'll look at next week is is engaging our city, right? So there's what happens here. And then it's what we do outside of these walls too. So those are the three areas of focus. When you look at enriching community, enrich means to improve or enhance or like add value to. So if you enrich something, you, you add value to it. And so that's the attitude that we all want to take is that, is that as a part of this church, I add value to it. I participate in what's happening here. Um, The word community means a unified body of individuals, a group of people with a common characteristic or interest in living together within a large study. Don't worry. We're not going to become a commune. Living together in the sense of like living life and doing those things. But when I think of, uh, when I think of community, 
I, I typically will think back to an amazing interaction that I had uh, at, at the 2003 Holiday Bowl in San Diego, California. And so I, I got free tickets um, to be able to go to the Holiday Bowl. And so uh, it was the, the Texas Longhorns against the Washington State Cougars. And it just gr- two great teams. Uh, Longhorns were number five uh, ranked. And so just incredible bowl game. And so I, I sat there and I, 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 my seats were on the Longhorn side. And so no joke, uh, all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey was like a few rows in front of me because he's a Longhorn fan. And so uh, just kind of, I, I, I didn't go say hi, but I sat there, he's there. And, uh, and it, was, it was, by the end of the time, I was, I was just like hook em horns, right? Just being with these people because my seats were with, with the, the family and like the, the VIPs of, of, of the, the players and coaches. So I was a Longhorn fan until I went to the bathroom and then I went to the bathroom and then all of a sudden I walked into the Washington state area and man, those Cougar fans, they're just amazing. Like I, all of a sudden I was just, I don't know what their sign is, but I was a Cougar fan. Okay. And, and so, and then I wandered back to my seat and then all of a sudden I was a, I was a Longhorn fan again and in a part of it. And you say, boy, you're wishy-washy. No, it was just that you could taste it. You could taste the, the, the camaraderie. You could taste the, the community that they had together. And then when the Cougars um, upset them and when I went over to them and celebrated, you know, cause, cause, cause they, cause they won. Um, but community is, is you may feel that, right? Like you may feel that with um, even with the church here uh, or, uh, or in your life where you, you really try to be a part of community and it's elusive. You know, you really try, man, I just don't feel like I fit or I don't feel like I'm a belong in that place. Uh, Michelle and I, my wife, we'll go to places sometimes and, you know, we're excited for what's going on. All of a sudden, like, yeah, we don't fit here. Uh, Why? Like, we're trying, but we just don't fit. You ever ever have those times? Uh, It can be elusive where you're just like, man, this, this isn't right. And so community, though, the only way that you become a part of a community, the only way that you actually uh, are, are, in the community together is if you participate. It's just, you can't, you can't be a part of it without participating. Like those times where Michelle and I maybe went to a party and we just don't feel like we're a part of it or a concert or whatever. It, typically what we do is we sit back, we're like, yeah, we don't fit. And by definition, we're doing that, right? Like we're hanging back. We're like, well, I guess we're not a part of this because of a feeling or, or information that we're, we're processing with ourselves. And so when we say enrich community, community, what we're saying is participating in community, sharing in community. So followers of Jesus have always warmed around the fire of participating in community. That's just what it's always been. It was Jesus Christ that, that confronted them and they encountered him. But as they were brought into this community, which is called the church, then they would warm around the fire of sharing in this life with Jesus and with other people. That, that's just, you, you will never experience all that God has for you in this relationship with Jesus unless you participate in his community, which is called the church. And so the value add, the enriching, true participation is all in the giving and receiving and sharing with other people. And so it's open hands, right? You come to Jesus and I don't think you can really truly come to know Jesus unless you have open hands. Right? Because clenched fists, you can't receive or give. And when you come to Jesus, you are receiving his life and you're giving him your sin and your life as an offering. You're saying, you know what? I'll take what you did instead of me. 
So you have to have open hands, and it continues when it goes into other people. So let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 41 uh, in a minute here, and, and it'll give you some context of the first Christians. Here's context of Acts chapter 2. Uh, so uh, it's the day of Pentecost, which we're reading. And so the day of Pentecost was penta, it means f- five, okay, and then, but really 50. So the Feast of Pentecost was 50 days after the Feast of Passover. And so Passover, in this time when Jesus was alive and walking the earth, what happened at Passover that year? Well, Jesus laid down his life on a cross for the sins of the whole world. He's the savior of the world. And then what he did is he rose from the grave three days later. So, and he walked with his disciples for 40 days and he told them to wait. Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, he says, I want you to wait. Just wait. I know you guys know how to do everything. I know you've been with me three years and you're the experts now, but listen, you're going to need power. You're going to need dunamis power, like, like dynamite. You're going to need power that comes from God. And when you wait in Jerusalem, wait for the gift of the father, he said. So the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's like, I know you know all this stuff, you have knowledge, but you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so they were worshiping one day on the day of Pentecost. And what happened is, is that, is that it says that like a sound, like a rushing wind came in and it said, it looked like there was tongues of fire on all of them. And so what happened is, is that God poured out his life, the Holy Spirit, the person of God, and he shared it with them to the point that not just that they would be uh, viewers of it, but they would be entwined with it, that God would come and live inside of them. And that's how it's been for anybody that gives their life to Jesus since is that you're filled with the spirit of God, that God becomes your roommate. He actually just doesn't, he's not at a far off temple. You're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so this was like what some people call like the birth of the church, because you had some followers of Jesus, but now you have this thing called the church and it happened through the Holy Spirit. And so you have Holy Spirit people. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit moves in you to participate. That's what he does is to participate in the gospel in with other people. And so let's read in verse 41 of Acts chapter two. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized uh, because he's talking about Peter. Peter preached the greatest sermon, you know, probably one of the greatest ones ever. And he explained to the onlookers of what was happening. And it's a picture of all that the church is supposed to do since then, right? God pouring out his love and his spirit upon people. And then the people looking in saying, hey, what's going on with you guys? That's pretty cool over there. You know, it's like looking in today, like, wow, you guys care for, uh, you know, the broken. You care for the people like, you know, today, what we heard the story today. People look in and say, well, what's going on there? In the church, all we're supposed to do is nothing fancy is explain. Look, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me talk, tell you about Jesus who redeems the entire world. And so that's what Peter does. And 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe in the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So similar today, you had a a place, the temple courts would be like similar to like a a church building like this. And then they would meet in homes too for groups and, and for smaller gatherings. Most of the time though, it was smaller gatherings that they met. Um, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. Okay. So here's the participation. Okay. Look at verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and wait, here it is into fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayer. So this word fellowship is koinonia. Okay, it's used 17 times in the New Testament. Uh, If you look at the NASB, if you want to nerd out in the King James, it's 18. So there you go. Take that quarter with a quarter. You can buy a cup of soup. Okay, just that's all it is. Okay, Uh, but koinonia literally means participation or sharing, participation or sharing. And so uh, when you hear the word koinonia, it's never used in participation or sharing in any other way in the New Testament besides the gospel. So like that, which has to do with Jesus Christ. And so here's the different places that it's used. It's used in participation or sharing with giving to the poor. And and these scriptures are listed on your outline. Uh, And if you're online, you can download it from our website too. So giving to the poor, okay, Um, in Romans, uh, it's participating and sharing with Jesus Christ. Several scriptures, three scriptures, uh, participation or sharing with the blood and the body of Christ, uh, uh, participation, sharing uh, about do not be equally yoked. So in other words, hey, don't participate and share this way in a way that you're unequally yoked uh, participation and sharing with God's people. Um, giving to the church, uh, uh, sharing with other Christians, three, three scriptures, um, uh, sharing with missionaries, talking about sharing with Paul as he was sent out, um, sharing in suffering, right? What a strange tribe we are that Paul says, you know, I want to know Christ, even sharing in his suffering that I might know him that deep and that well. And then he talks about um, sharing in the faith, um, sharing with others, just like what I have. Hey, what I have is, your, is, is yours and what you have is mine. And then he talks about sharing with the father. So it's beautiful what we get to share. So here's the thing, though. The depth of a person's koinonia or participation in sharing is a good read on the depth of their relationship with the Holy Spirit. So if someone is kind of far off, like, ah, you know, I, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a good read. Like, where are they at with God currently? Like, are they receiving the life of God? Are they receiving what he has and he's giving to them? Or are they kind of keeping God standoffish? Because the Holy Spirit in you will drive you to be with other Christians, and I've seen it all over the world. Uh, we, we spent time going to Thailand and Scotland and all over Mexico and, and all over the United States. And as we go to these different places, um, you know, I remember in Thailand and we, we experienced different spirits in Thailand on the streets and, and, and you'd meet people and, and there was no, there, there was just, there was a language barrier. 
And so I couldn't speak the language. Uh, we even went up to this tribe, uh, the Aka tribe. And so the Aka people, and they're the people, they wear all these big headdresses and, and, and just these big get-ups and all colorful. And we went up to this tribe uh, where there was um, all these homes and there was a few families that were, were Christians. And we went up there and, and you, you, could, you could tell right away who the Christians were. Why? Because the Holy Spirit in them testified to the Holy Spirit in us. We couldn't speak any language whatsoever. And when we left there, what's great is, is there was, I have this video, 2001, it's all grainy. It was at night and it's in the middle of literally nowhere, this tribe. We had to drive hours to get there. And, and we, we shared uh, the gospel. Uh, we shared in English uh, and then they translated it to, then a translator translated it to Thai and then somebody translated it to Akka. And in the video, we talked about uh, Lazarus being rose from the grave. And then all of a sudden in the video, we give, um, I'm pretty sure they knew what I was saying, but through all the translations, but it was, it was, you, do you want this life that, that you would rise like Lazarus, that you would receive eternal life? And you see in this video, it's like the green from these old videos. And all of a sudden you see these like dozens of hands of, yeah, that's what I want. And all it was is, yes, we translated language, but it was the Holy Spirit that was there working, that led us and, 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 and did that. And so the Holy Spirit will always drive you to others, no matter where you are. I've seen it where I didn't even, like we set up to go be with those people in that place, but I've seen it where I'm just wandering around in different places, other countries, all over the world. And all of a sudden you'll find somebody and you know, you know, this person has the spirit of God living in them too. And so it will always drive you to other people if you're drinking in that life of God and the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 42, what does it say? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And so that's the key. That's the key because sometimes you won't feel it, you know? Like, man, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling this, this, uh, you know, this fellowship, this koinonia. I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling that right now. And so if it's a devoted to something, then it's also a discipline. So it's the discipline of meeting with other people and gathering with other people uh, that, that makes a difference. So the Greek here is saying uh, they gave constant attention to it, right? Think of the things that you give constant attention to. If you, if you give constant attention to something, then it probably will turn out the way that you want it to. So like if you give constant attention to, uh, hey, I'm going to eat healthy and exercise, well, then you're probably going to get pretty good results. You're going to be a healthy person, right? Um, uh, or if you uh, say, hey, I'm, I'm going to give constant attention to my lawn. Like I try that, but it never turns out like my neighbor's. I think I'm getting ahead, but then all of a sudden I look and man, I did something wrong. I, I mean, I, I, sometimes I put, you know, dump all the fertilizer in the wrong place, all kinds of stuff. I try and it just, just can't do it. But it says that as followers of Jesus, we're to give constant attention to participating or sharing with other Christians. So that's what we do as we enrich community here. That's what we do. And it, it, you know, it makes me think of my boys. I have three teenage sons. And uh, when they were little, they would go, every time they went to the haircut, get a haircut, they would get a lollipop. Okay. And so they'd get the lollipop and they'd sit there and... You know, it's just so good, right? And then without fail, each one of them, daddy, have some, 
right? They were committed, like constantly committed to if they had a milkshake or anything else or a sucker or whatever, they're like, daddy, here, have some. And, and I remember the, like, I'm like, yeah, not a chance, right? Like that is gross. Like, it's just like all over your face and the thing in your hand and you want to share it with me. But I remember I turned down one of my sons and it was just this, he's not as committed to as I am about sharing. So I'm like, okay, so I take it, right? I'm like, hey, they're little kids, no big deal. You know, and, and now they just take it from me, right? You know, they just take all the food off of my plate and they just eat everything. But they, they were committed to sharing it with me. Like it was, it was important to them with that. So as a church, what we do, you know, how do we take this home? Like practically is a body of believers. Well, um, you know, on Sundays, like whether you're online or whether you're here in person with our current context with a, with a pandemic, um, come early and stay after. Come early and spend time with other people. Share a cup of coffee with people. If you're online, you know, jump in the chat and spend time with people. Uh, online, we're looking to add like an online lobby so that after the service that People that are online can go to that and do like a Zoom and, and see each other. Um, and then also, too, here's for 2021, which we're committed to, is everyone in a small group. You know, everyone in some sort of small group. It doesn't have to be one that goes perpetual, but if there's a six-week opportunity or an eight-week opportunity to hop into a group, hop into a small group. Um, we're starting, actually starting a, 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 an all-church uh, teaching series in January called Transformed, and it looks at seven different areas of our lives. And so we're doing that with our friends at Vineyard North, and um, I'll be teaching there some, and we'll have some of their teachers here teaching that as well, kind of like we did with Moses. But during that series, we want every single person in a small group. So it's 49 days, 50 days, okay, that we're walking through it. And small groups can be two people meeting at a coffee shop. They can be five people meeting at your home. But we just say everybody in a small group walking through that, digging deeper into what's there. And then everyone serves on a team. So, you know, in other words, how can I serve? And it doesn't have to be perpetual. You can serve once a month. You can serve once a quarter. But some way participating and sharing with other people. And it's not just about, hey, well, you have spots to fill. Always. Always. There's always things to help with and those things. But that's actually not what it's about. What's in you, the Holy Spirit that's put in you, it comes alive when you serve and you interact with other people. It's the outflow that comes with God. And so this enriching community, it's serious business. Koinonia, it's serious business. It always has to do with the gospel. But when the church is devoted to participating and sharing with each other and doing that, it's bigger than itself because the church that doesn't share or really participate and it's permeable, it isn't something that everybody can enjoy. And what I mean is the people outside. See, Jesus said, when you love one another and when you serve one another, people will know that you're my disciples. And if people know that you're Jesus' disciples, they want some of that. They want what Jesus is and who he is. And so when the church shares and has koinonia and, and does that, other people want to be a part of that. They want that. See, it's, re it's really like stone soup. Anybody ever had stone soup? You know what that is? Okay, yeah. And so, so it's, 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 a, it's a really an, a European uh, folk story that it came out of. And there was these hungry travelers that came to a village. And they convinced all of the people to bring a little something to put in the soup. 
so that everyone could enjoy it together, sharing, participating. And yet in our story as the church, Jesus is the hungry stranger. He's the stone. He's the rock that started it all. And now as other people add in, they add a little bit for all people to enjoy. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple that just people coming to Jesus with what he started, bringing my life, sharing it with other people, and beautiful things happen. Kids get adopted. Lives get changed. People get served. 17 families have a turkey meal that they couldn't afford, right? That's all that this is. And so we're enriching community, adding to it. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.